part Beatmaster, part Deathstalker, all barbarian. This is the epic tale of Deathbone, friends. When an elven village is taken over by the goblin warlord Von Druk, and one of their kinswoman Marge is taken captive, a young elf girl named Hetheriel must seek out the one they call Deathbone and ask for his help to vanquish the evil. Deathbone, along with his ragtag group of adventurers, decides to take on this quest and bring about peace to their home Mucklark once again. Filled to the brim with witty and over-the-top dialogue and comedy, Deathbone is foaming with action and blood, dripping with erotic adventure, and sure to make any warrior queen wet with excitement. Get your pals together, strike up a pint of mead, and chow down on a dragon's leg, for you are about to witness the most epic low-budget fantasy action film you have ever seen. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie Bros. Here we review B-Movies to the best of our abilities. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. This week we bring to you Deathbone, Third Blood, Part 7. The Blood of Deathbone. And what you just heard was, of course, on the back of the cover box art. Let's take a look at the cover. The front. Deathbone. Prepare to get boned. Very catchy. It's a pretty simple cover. You've got um, all the characters. You've got um, you've got Deathbone right in the front. He looks um, like he just shit himself, holding an epic sword. Uh, you've got his companions to the left of him, the villain to the right of him. It's pretty standard what you'd expect um, from a barbarian movie, minus the whole look of shitting themselves that I mentioned earlier. Then he says Deathbone in the title and low-budget films. And this is a Chris Seaver film. Chris Seaver being a director who's been in the B-movie business uh, since the early 90s. He's had his own company. Um, actual sev actually, several of his own companies that produce B-movies. So, very experienced. Yeah. When, if we're probably going to review a lot more of his movies. He's pretty well-known in the B-movie world. He's like the Polony brothers, except... A little more strange. Not a twin. Yeah, not a twin either. Actually, I don't know that for a fact. That's true. You shouldn't pass judgment until you know for it. So let's just jump into some shit here. Um, let's take a look at the characters. Um, we mentioned them on the cover. I mean, first and foremost, you have Deathbone, who is our slightly chubby, bear diaper-wearing barbarian hero. He's brutish yet surprisingly intelligent. He's too cocky for his own good, but with his companions, he's able to face down just about any danger. You've got uh, Leo, who's Von Druk's greatest general. And he's most likely the leader of a redneck cult from the 1970s who enjoys skinning buttholes and gluing them to his wall. Most likely. You, you've got, got Von Druk, of course, the, the goblin warlord who's trying to take over Mucklark. Malaria, who's a stick-wielding female barbarian and companion to Deathbone. Sebastian, the minstrel, who just cares about writing the best story ever about Deathbone. Hetheriel, an elf woman, foul-mouthed but concerned for the well-being of her friends and her land. Nubbins, the giant dwarf w wizard. And, of course, Owly, Deathbone's owl friend and ally. Everyone needs to have one. So, as far as the plot for this movie goes, you've got Deathbone, who's a loner barbarian, and Hetheriel comes to recruit him to save the land, and they go on a quest and meet different enemies and friends along the way. And that's it. Barbarian fights evil villain, 
saves the kingdom. Pretty uh, standard. Kind of fights, maybe. Yeah, you know. Sort of. There's some fighting. There, there, I saw a sword once or twice. So, let, let's just get straight down to it. Into technical difficulties, our top three and bottom three of this movie. Paul, let's start with the bottom three. What's your bottom three? As far as bottom three goes, I'm going to have to go with... There were too many stupid voices in this movie. It pissed me off. Like, every other character had a stupid voice or was supposed to be, like, uh, some kind of, like, stupid character or something. Like, um, Deathbone, he was this, um, he's basically supposed to be this muscle-headed, like, Italian, arrogant bastard. And, like, he sounded a lot like Sylvester Stallone. Like, it was real obvious what they were going for with, um, Van Druk was supposed to be this typical rapper. It was supposed to be a joke of... How he's a goblin, but he's also, like, ghetto and crap. It was really dumb. Street cred. Yeah, of course. Like, And um, Mar- uh, Marge, the woman that they were trying to save, was all her... I don't know what she was. She was, like, special needs or something like that? I, I, I think that was the what they were conveying with what she was saying and how she was saying it. Yeah, so they got the special needs character in there. Uh, for number two, I'm going to go with... There was a severe lack of metal references. Like, um, one of Death Bone's companions was supposed to be a metalhead bard. And I thought that was a really cool idea. I thought that this is going to be a movie all about, like, you know, this me- this metalhead barbarian. And they went nowhere with that. They referenced metal music a few times and they went absolutely nowhere with that and that was extremely disappointing for me even disappointing with that is in the beginning when they introduce sebastian the bard he's playing his guitar which is of course an electric guitar but it's making you know medieval minstrelly music but then later in the movie when he's playing his guitar it doesn't make any sounds it's like they had the joke and then they just forgot about it exactly and they they have metal music playing in the background through large portions of the movie and it just kind of fell short. Like, I was expecting this to be hardcore metal, sh- metal shit. Metal as fuck. But it wasn't. It was metal as not fuck. Whatever the opposite of that would be. And for number one, I'm going to have to go with the jokes were just too random for a plot that had. A plot that was very confined. They had, um, very defined, uh, um, area. They had a very defined um, story going on. They were just too random, and they never tied into the medieval theme. Well, they did very few times, but not enough. They chose to go with uh, more randomness, and which is something I'd expect from um, a Chris Seaver movie, being a fan of his. But this one, it was too compact to have jokes like that. They should have tied into the medieval theme, and like I said, not enough fucking metal. Even the medieval theme that they try to portray, they make modern-day references. Oh, there's a KFC over there. My blood sugar is low. I'm going to go get something. See you later. They're really out of place. Like, Or, or listening to uh, an MP3 player with headphones in at the beginning of the movie. Just uh, Some things they, they took from modern day and tried to make it funny, but I, I don't think it worked. Uh, well, my bottom three is uh, kind of the same. Um, number three was Deathbone's voice in particular, um, making fun of Sylvester Stallone, even so far as to, like, he puts his lip out to the side, like how Sylvester Stallone has the droopy lip, and, um, 
he even uses the line, I am the law, from Judge Dredd, which is a famous line for Sylvester Stallone. I mean, granted, in the context of it, it kind of worked, but if you were going to go so far and making references to Sylvester Stallone and making him obviously supposed to be like him, at least in, like, the movies like Rocky and um, Judge Dredd and stuff like that, where he's this big manly man. You gotta at least mention that. Like, somebody should have said, like, who's this Sylvester Stallone motherfucker over here? Something like that. Like, the only actor they mention is the person who played Beastmaster, which I don't even remember that actor's name. Fuck Vina. Um, but, I mean, he even wears a headband like Sylvester Stallone in Rambo, but uh, I digress. Let's move on. Number two was the distasteful jokes. I mean, just everywhere you turned... It was sex joke, fart joke, you know, there was a running joke throughout the movie of ethereal being hideous and disgusting and swamp beings and cave trolls are better looking than her. And she was probably the best looking actress of the crew. She was definitely not bad looking. Um, I think with that one, I can kind of forgive them just... Well, knowing, like, Chris Seaver's type of comedy, I expected that. But like I said with mine, it didn't tie in with a plot. When you have a plot that's so specific to a time period and a place and a story, you gotta have some... You gotta have it going back to something. At the same time, beauty has changed throughout the ages. And in some ages, you know, curves and everything were the big attractor. And... You know, middle ages being one of those things. You wanted a woman that was bigger because that showed strength. That showed that they could survive a winter or whatever. So that could actually fit in the time period. But still, just the running joke of someone being ugly or whatever, I just don't find it funny. And they just overused it and drove it right into the ground. It just never tied in with the plot. It was it was too ridiculous for a movie like this and it just it fell apart in my opinion and my number one bottom thing was uh the surprising lack of action it says this is the most epic action fantasy film you've ever seen is it a fantasy film yes is it an action film fuck no the the most action comes at the end of the movie and it's like 20 seconds of a fight scene and it's like a kind of an army fight scene where you've got like 10 people fighting five people and that's it. Everything else is just kind of like sudden and not played out. So let's move on. Let, let's get a little happy here. What let's, are the good yeah. things about this movie? Yeah, let's praise this movie at least a little are, bit. Are there good things about this movie? There's a couple. Like, um, as you can probably tell, we weren't big fans of this movie. But I'd say for number three was... You know, the acting wasn't too bad in this movie. It was meant to be... I mean, this is fucking B-movie bros. We review low-budget films where there are no, where normally there are no professional actors, and you just kind of get what you get. And it wasn't bad, you know. No one messed up on their lines. It was just meant to be funny. I, even though, like, the characters I found annoying, like Death Bowen and Marge, it was written that way. I can't really fault them for that. It was just a joke that I didn't, I didn't like and I didn't think was really necessary or worked um for number two i'd say um the costumes were done pretty well um they had the barbarian like um kind of garb they had the swords they had the goblins looked kind of cool like they definitely they, they looked like the goblins from troll 2 yeah but for a actually point, higher quality goblins from troll 2 yeah it really wasn't it was well done they definitely as far as that aspect did 
the people working behind the set worked really hard, and I have to I have to give them credit for that. I have to commend them for that. And so, number one, I would have to say, a lot of the jokes were really well thought out. They just weren't they weren't portrayed well. Like the ex like um the execution was way off from what I was expecting and what I would have liked to have seen. Like um at one point they have a back and forth of quotes between um Hetherial and Deathbone. I thought that part was pretty funny. Um at one point one of the um one of the goblins um asked him a riddle, like you know, in in like the Hobbit when there's the riddle game between Bilbo and um, I'd compare it more to Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That works with too, Tim the Enchanter. That works too, but um, that's also like a parody of things. But like with Bilbo and Gollum, it, it just reminded me of that. Like initially, and he has some movies about like the Christmas Vacation movies, and like it was, it was going beyond the realm of the time period and the setting, but it worked for that particular joke, and I thought that was good. This movie had potential, but yeah, we'll get into more of that later. Well, my top three, number three was the character of Leo. Mostly because Leo is a recurring character. Chris Seaver, like we said, is a big B-movie director. He uses characters in multiple films. The films aren't interconnected, unless they're like direct sequels. But Leo is is in Leo DeChamp in some of his films, or Leo's twin, is a mainstay. And I just find him hilarious. There's a Leo in, I think, each of his movies that kind of ties them together. He's like the anchor that brings all the movies together in a bizarre way. And I just love his character. He's great. Yeah, he's very brutish, very uncaring, and hilarious. Thalmel, the racist redneck. We just absolutely love him. He's got the uh, best mustache ever. Number two was Deathbone's origin story. That yeah. was hilarious. Spoiler alert. And this will be really quick recap. As a newborn, Deathbone was cast onto a pile of dead babies that he had to crawl to the top. At the top was a mountain troll, which he killed with the shin bone of one of his dead baby siblings granting him the name Death Bone. That's how you raise children. And number one was the metal music that was included in the movie. I like metal. And... We're metal fans here. That was the highlight of this movie for me, was that music in the movie because I just, like, close my eyes and be like, oh, yeah, I'm listening to a CD. I'm not watching a shitty movie. And those are my top three. And that kind of goes back to one of my criticisms, not metal enough. Like, it just, it looked metal, and all the previews made it seem really, like, metal-themed, and when you got to it, you were just really underwhelmed by all the metal. The, the most metal thing was his sword. I see what you did there. Well, since you like the dialogue, let's get into a quote war! Quote wars! I'll go first. Go for it. All right. This has all been bullshit up till now. The true fighting begins here with me and my sweet-ass fucking action body. Look at this glistening shit, ain't it? By Leo. Get packed, companions. I have a feeling that this is going to be my legendary tale that will be sung by the villagers for years to eons to come. Deathbone. A braggart, eh? 
I have no time for self-loving hoodlums. You lack pride in your land. You lack spirit, Fulio. By nubbins. My time is short, what with all the brooding and my displays of symphony of physical power. Also deathbone. Never let your defenses waver, even in the presence of the supple rippling visage you see before you. Deathbone. Fucking shit. I think you broke my pussy bone. Mother friggin' pies buckets, guys. That stung like a bitch. Ethereal. Tinkerbell's frequent flyer miles just got revoked by Deathbone. I just got I just may surprise you with my cranial magics. See? I just said cranial. Also Deathbone. A beholder has ten eyes. Eleven if you count the third one. Another Deathbone. And of course, it was then that I combined an obtuse triangle with an oblique rectangle to create the wheel. Deathbone. Oh, that that just hurt. I, I, I don't have any more. Go have back. math. No math. Going back to the wheel, motherfucker. I s- so don't forget to tweet us at bmoviebros, all one word, and tell us which quote was the best and who won this episode's quote war. If you've seen this movie for some ungodly reason... You know, tell us what your favorite quote from it is. You know, at B Movie Bros on Twitter or our Facebook page, B Movie Bros, B Movie Space B R O S. You know, I never thought I'd say I think I broke my pussy bone on like ever in my life. So that's something I can credit this movie with. So now you have accomplished that. You can you can knock that off your bucket list. It's totally going on my resume. <laughs> So, is there anything else you want to say before we move into our, our final take here? Yeah, I think, um, I just want to say neither of us really liked this movie much, but I think the varying levels of dislike for it and credit we're willing to give it differ. So, you know, Corey, I think that, you know, this calls for some cinema conflict. I'm declaring it this time. Ding, ding! Fight! Alright, so, so why don't you go into, like, every like your feelings on this movie in a little bit, bit of depth. Okay, so, I think the acting is terrible, and even more so than it's intended to be. The, the lines are stupid, there's too much sex and fart jokes, which I know Chris Seaver does that a lot in his movies, but it's just way overdone in this. Is it possible to be too much with, with sex and fart jokes? Things seem to go at a pace so slow that a snail covered in molasses in the dead of winter of Nova Scotia moves faster. Like, I I could brew coffee by staring at it faster than the plot to this movie moves along. And this movie's only 95 minutes. The lighting is actually okay because it's outside all the time. The characters, aside from Deathbone, are pretty two-dimensional. The main villain is just stupid. Leo, his right-hand man, is a lot more threatening, kind of like the game Time Crisis, where you fight the mob boss as the boss before the end boss, and you fight his enforcer after him, and I'm getting off the topic. But Nerd. I just, I, I can't sit through this movie and appreciate it in any manner. The effects are supposed to be terrible, and they are. And that doesn't say anything good in this case. Uh, the time period thing, it doesn't work because they make too many references to modern day. 
they make too many for it to be just like a coincidence that they know about this stuff and I, I just this movie gets me so frazzled i can't even keep my thoughts straight on it you just didn't like the whole breaking the fourth wall like you didn't think they pulled that off very well no yeah. so for me i'm gonna have to go with i didn't think the acting was bad i thought that it was exactly what you'd expect from one of these movies. Like, you don't go in go into a Chris Seaver movie expecting it to be great acting. Also, um, just to give them a little bit of credit, it is difficult to film outside because you, you also have to monitor, like, the time and, like, get everyone together. It's really more... It's it's a pain in the ass. Like, I mean, obviously the lighting works if you get it right, but I, I do have to give credit with them with that. They pulled it off, and obviously they correlated their schedules well enough, so you know good for them they all have calendars but um there's one thing i want to point out with this movie this movie was written by chris siever and it was also written by trent haga and for those who remember our feeding the masses review he wrote feeding the masses and he also wrote the video game evil within he's a very kind of serious sort of writer very like in depth with realism and things like that and from what i can tell we got chris siever who's this batshit crazy as far as his writing it goes it's completely random he goes too far and then keeps running like he just doesn't know when to stop and it's beautiful when it works and trent haga who really doesn't write much comedy he writes more serious like feeding the masses was social commentary evil within has a really in deep story deep story it's a very good game but i really feel that you you kind of see like elements of both writers and it just didn't tie together like this was i was very disappointed because i was expecting this to be one of the best b movies i've seen and i'm I thinking think, something like Haga probably like wrote the characters or wrote the concept story which could have worked very well and then chris siever got his hands on it and was like poop sex ugly penis but at the same point it's it is a low budget film and it was meant to be a comedy so it, i think that between the two of them, they both have their different styles, they have their expertises, and they just did not correlate well. As far as the action goes... You know what else is supposed to be a comedy? What's that? Feast. Feast is fucking shit. Feast tr Feast was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a low-budget film, except not really, so I can cover all bases. See, this movie at least knew what it wanted to be, it just failed at it. Feast was trying to cover all bases and failed at it. It was trying to suck up to everybody, but I'm not going to get into Feast again. If you want to watch a review of that. Anyways, need a fucking drink. But, um, okay, so the jokes were all right. It was obvious that they were intelligently written, at least a decent amount of them. The dialogue had potential. It was just off. Like like I said, my It was misplaced. Yeah, it was very misplaced. Like if you if you're going to have a have a movie placed in a certain time period, make more references to that. And if you're going to like break the fourth wall, at least do it well. Like, it just felt awkward at most of the time. Like um like they were you could tell that that they were writing, "Ha, ah, breaking the the fourth wall is funny. Like let's make a reference to KFC or something." And it was just out of place. It was horribly timed. And it just, to me, that didn't work out. It was like a bad Family Guy episode, which is saying something. Yeah. But I will say that, like, as far as action goes, like you said, there wasn't enough action. I don't think more action would have helped this movie. I thought that there was, the only action in this is Deathbone basically beating the shit out of people and, like, just 
tearing off. Like at one point, he tears the um, wings off of one of the fairies. They could see a bunch of fairies, which is like two seconds. Yeah, but it was meant to be like. I think they would have just like going and fucking shit up. If they would have labeled it as an epic fantasy adventure film instead of an epic fantasy action film, it would have helped it leaps and bounds. Because they did go on an adventure. They went on a quest. Did they perform a lot of action? No, not really. But I think that was the point. I don't think it was really... I think calling it an action movie was meant to be... um, was kind of supposed to be a joke on the whole barbarian thing where they fight all the time. And this, he just kind of went up to people and, like, basically he was just punching people in the face for a while. Like, um, I think that most of, like, most of the characters were parodies of things. Like, Deathbone, he was, the, he was supposed to be, like, they said Conan and um, Beastmaster, but he was basically this brainless, um, arrogant barbarian god and just dicked around. Like, he was, it was supposed to be, like, basically fat and drunk from what i could tell like once again i want i thought he was gonna be metal as fuck and i was very disappointed by that like hetheriel she was just this smart mouth like swearing foul mouth uh, fair maiden um von druk was this ghetto goblin and like sebastian was a metalhead bard like they were all meant to be like parodies of it they just weren't very good parodies because you didn't have anything to tie it with like i said before if this had been like a metal kind of fantasy which we should totally make at some point a metal a metal movie taking place in a fantasy world. I guess that I guess the movie Heavy Metal might count, might count well, as that. There is a band here in Pittsburgh where we, you know, do our recordings called Deathlehem, and they are a death metal, like medieval RPG themed band. That's pretty sweet. We should get them to do the music for our movie if we make it. I'm not promising any of you people anything, but I do feel like this movie had a lot of potential. If they had, if Haga and Seaver had correlated a little better. They were both very much out of their elements, which I think that they were expecting the other one to compensate for, and I just don't think that it correlated very well. I think that, like, let's say, and I, I know I keep harping on the metal thing, but metal is fucking awesome, but if they had made, like, Deathbone this metalhead, like, barbarian, and then Van Druk, this ghetto rapper goblin, like, having a fight between that, like, that would have been cool. That would have been a war of the music. War. Exactly, like, just getting there and like clash of like culture and everything only in a fantasy kind of element world that could have been cool but chris Seaver's style is very random and i think hager's was just too organized for this and they it could have been something cool with two different types of writers working together but i think it lost itself somewhere somewhere along the lines i i don't think we conflicted as much there as the things that bothered you are the same things that bothered me. They just bother me a lot more in this movie I than they bother so. you. Yeah, definitely. But Except I think for the metal. You, you yeah. definitely... More fucking metal. Yeah. So, let's get into our final take here. Um, let's give this movie a score on our shot scale. Now, just for reference, our shot scale is a reverse scale of 1 to 10. 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this movie? Now, Paul, just a number score, what do you give this? I'm going to give this movie a 7 out of 10. Well, you're being a little generous. I am going to go ahead and give this movie a 9 out of 10. Now, I, I would like to hear why you give this a 7 Hold out on, of 10. 9 out of 10. I, I got to hear yours first. All right. Well, uh, first off, this movie's supposed to be an action flick, yet it has very little action. Places we should see action is replaced with pointless dialogue. 
I do think they had some funny lines, but the pop culture references within the movie seemed too forced. I kept waiting for the story to progress, and it seemed like it took longer for these fools to get to Browncroft than Frodo did to get to Mount Doom. The tasteless jokes, the less-than-average acting, the, the purposeful shitty look and overall annoyance of the character, Deathbone, really drive me to give this a 9 out of 10 on the shot scale. You should probably start drinking before you watch this movie, or just drink and watch something else like grass growing, because it'll be more entertaining. Okay, point taken. Okay, for me, I gave it a 7 out of 10, and I was tempted to give it a 6 out of 5, but I get fucking tired of half scores. Like, it just seems like you're kind of bitching out sometimes. I still do them, but, you know, I always die a little bit inside. But this movie attempted to be both a parody of the fantasy genre and also wanted to be completely batshit crazy, like is Chris Seaver's style. And it didn't pull either of these off very well. The movie was too organized to be random and crazy, yet not clever enough to be a memorable parody. And most of the jokes tried to be, try to intertwine it, and it really fell apart very fast. Uh, Like I said, the jokes were really inconsistent. They never connected to the plot, uh, very rarely, but it was very forced. Um, They came off as, most of the time they came off as really stupid. It kind of felt like, the writers had the option of going with either being clever or dumb, and they chose to take retard road the most of, most of the time. I normally enjoy Chris Seaver's movies, and I really think Chris um, Trent Hager, Haga, however it's pronounced, is a very talented writer. But this is this didn't have the same low budget charm that I was expecting. It didn't have. If you're going to go with something that's kind of crazy and absurd, just fucking go with it. Just take the reins and fucking go with it, which is normally Seaver's style, but I think that they there were too many constrictions with it, and like I said, it was a clash of ideas. It was a clash of um, writing styles that could have either gone really well or really bad, and quite frankly, this one went, went worse than I would have liked. Um... If I ever watch this movie again, it'll be while I'm vacuuming or washing dishes or working with power tools. Anything that may be making noise, making a ton of noise to kind of drown out the sound of it. It's because I really don't want to sit through this again. I wouldn't mind having it on just so I can pretend I'm watching a better movie. And I do have to say that a lot of people from the movie have been in other Chris Seaver movies. It's kind of nice seeing the, seeing like that same group of people come together. But overall, this was really not a fun time a fun time to watch and i think the main problem with this movie was it just tried too hard i I think those reins you mentioned there were like nine horses attached to those reins and they all ran in different directions and that's why this movie failed i mean it is kind of cool seeing that like two very different writers work together it just unfortunately fell short and if you're really looking for a barbarian parody, uh, don't stray away from it. Go ahead and give it a watch. See what we're talking about and why a barbarian movie should just be a, a barbarian movie slaying slaying everything. Or just like stick with a theme. Like You can very easily make a parody of a fantasy in barbarian movies. It's been done before, but this one just wasn't it. If you're going to watch a parody of fantasy movies, find something else. All right, well, let's, let's get into something a little better here. Now, I, I know not everybody watches the same kind of shit that we do, so we like to include every week an A-movie companion. 
a bigger budget or a better known movie that is basically the same movie as this, just better and higher quality. So let's take a look at some A movie companions. Now, for me, it was really hard because this movie is so horrible to think of a movie that's just a better version of this movie. Because I don't want to think of any movie as another version of Deathbone. But I will have to say, if you're looking for an A-movie companion for this, just watch anything with Sylvester Stallone in it. I don't care what it is. You can watch The Expendables. You can watch Rocky, Rambo. Even Spy Kids 3D has to be a better movie than this and shouldn't be compared to it. Hell, watch The Italian Stallion where Sylvester Stallone is having sex on camera. That is a higher class movie than Deathbone. In case you didn't know, Sylvester Stallone's first movie was an actual porn. So, Paul, what is your A-movie companion for this? Well, for me, I was thinking about going with a kind of fantasy kind of parody. Like, um, I think one of the best would be um, Terry Pratchett's uh, Discworld, but those are all books. I think there was a... There, there was a... A BBC miniseries or a BBC made-for-TV movie of those, though. There was, but I unfortunately didn't. I've never seen it. I absolutely love Terry Pratchett. He was one of the best writers, in my opinion. Um, well, I, I've never seen Rocky or Rambo, but I still recommended those. Or, or Spy Kids 3D. I guess The Princess Bride could work well because that was a. That oh was my a God, The Princess of... Bride! Yes, go. You know what? Stop listening to us right now and go watch The Princess Bride. Yeah, I think that one worked well. The jokes were all very contained within the story. They were very clever. They didn't try to do too much else. Actually, um, um, just about most of the Monty Python uh, fantasies work. Um, the other one, uh, shit, um, the one where they were riding the ho- where they had the coconuts. Monty I- Python in the Holy, Holy Grail. How do I fucking forget? We that? mentioned that earlier, Paul. I know. I'm a terrible person. But that one would work well because they had little funny things that all worked together. Like when Monty Python and the Holy Grail, when they had the um, the riddles, that worked really well. It was very funny, and they actually did break the fourth wall a few times. They had like actual police officers and things like that. It all it was all contained within the story, but it came off as being silly. It didn't try too hard, and it and all intertwined in the correct way. Exactly. It wasn't overdone. It wasn't thrown in there just... Well, it was thrown in there just to be in there. But they made it work. Exactly. They knew exactly the type of story they wanted. They were all on the same page. Um, Like, Princess Bride is a Mel Brooks film. Mel Brooks knew exactly what he wanted out of it. He knew exactly, like, his style. And he got to make his kind of film. It was just like his other... It was very much like his other comedies, but yet it had its own charm to separate it from the others. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, it was made obviously by the Monty Python group, and they were all on the same page. It was just like one of their other skits. This movie, it was just a mess, and it's a low-budget movie. It, it, like, once again, made by Chris Seaver, he's got his own style, but because I believe he probably conflicted with Haga a bit too much, who once again has a wonderful style, it just didn't work, it fell short, and if you want to watch a really good fantasy, like, renaissance type of uh, parody movie, watch one of those two movies. They are fantastic and much better than this. Do not waste your time with this one. So I, I think this movie really is like the bastard barbarian child of Saturday Night Live and mad tv made for hbo 
it, it just it, it has the language it does it have nudity i can't remember if it has nudity. no that was actually one thing um this movie had a had a remarkable um, lack of nudity there was none at all which chris siever movies normally have like random gratuitous nudity in them yeah, like not- just here are boobs why just just because here are boobs like at one point they actually they're with um fairy basically fairy hookers and there's no boobs whatsoever. cannibal fairy hookers yeah cannibal fairy hookers but i did find something out one of those fairies is actually played by lauren siever who's chris siever's wife so i think maybe he didn't want his wife like you know showing her tits in a movie well you know i think we've talked about this movie long enough what i want to do is drink away the flick drink away the flick come on and grab your drink let's drink away the flick now as you guys know if you've listened before what we drink during our flicks and during our reviews is a little something we like to call the B-movie. We drink B-movies while we watch B-movies. A B-movie consists of four things. Number one, bottom shelf tequila. Number two, bottom shelf whiskey. Number three, bottom shelf rum. And number four, generic lemon-lime soft drink. Now, you take one shot of each alcohol, put it in your cup, Fill the rest with lemon-lime soft drink. You have yourself a B-movie. So, let's get on Magic to, in a cup. to the drinking games here. I'll give you some, then Paul will give you some. Number one. Every time something dies, take a drink. Number two. Whenever you hear a pop culture reference, take a drink. Number three. Whenever Browncroft is referred to as a war zone, take a drink. Number four, whenever a sex joke is made, take a drink. Number five, anytime a character comments about Hetheriel's looks, take a drink. And number six, whenever Owly leaves, finish your drink because you've just seen the best part of the whole movie. Yeah, that was another thing. He's got this little owl, Owly, who looks like a cheap version of Hedwig, and he's there it, for like It's a two dollar seconds. store owl. I yeah. have them at my house. Well, and that was cool. I, I like that part. I love when cheap props are used in a funny way in B-movies, but that just kind of went away real fast, and I was very disappointed. Need more owly, need more metal. So what do you have to drink away this flick? For my drinking games, I would have, whenever the fourth wall is broken, take a drink. Whenever they make a penis reference, or say the word penis, take a drink. It happens probably about as much as you would expect it to, in one of these movies and whenever they mention metal music take a drink fucking metal to quote leo my wiener could scare a velociraptor bitch that that just gives you a taste of the penis jokes in this movie (laughs) taste of the penis oh god damn it paul (laughs) so uh, that's it Join us next week after we begin our first themed month. And what theme is that, Paul? This, for our first theme month, we've got Asian Culture Month. We've got a bunch of uh, movies from the Far East that we're just dying to get into. See how how um, people from another part of the world uh, make their B-movies. So, next week we'll be taking a look at the 1998 Hong Kong masterpiece, Son Fa Sa Sui. Or, better known in the U.S. as Biozombie. I'm excited. This this is a movie that I watched a lot growing up. It, it was one of my first zombie movies. It was one of my first... Uh, I don't even know if it's rated, but R-rated movies. Because my mom was awesome and let me buy that kind of shit when I was like... 
13 years old. Baby's first R-rated movie. Oh, no, that was that was Phantoms, starring uh, Ben Affleck. Never forget your first time with Ben Affleck. Um, so, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Bros, all one word, and like us on Facebook at B-movie, space, B-R-O-S, that's Bros. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Anything else you would like to say before we sign off here, Paul? Um, well, one thing I have to comment on the advertisement for this movie, I was not wet with excitement watching this. I just had need to point that out. And there you have it. Wet with sweat, not excitement. So Very disappointing. I have to say that until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, be back next week.